Today on Wine Access Unfiltered. One of the other things about wine that, that I really like, it's kind of brought us closer together, you know, as but it's also brought us closer together with our grandpa. You know, it's something that we've been able to to bring up, talk about at dinners, you know. He'd come and see me in the shop and all all that kind of stuff, and we'd talk about wine. I'd help him out to the car with his bags. So I, I wish more people would take advantage of it as kind of like a, a way to to get closer to people, especially now. You know, you might not have seen someone for for over a year. You know, open a bottle of wine. Welcome to the Wine Access Unfiltered Podcast. It is. Great to be here with you, Vanessa, today. And we are matched by two gentlemen. I know. And young gentlemen, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, young gentlemen. Um, We've got Ian and Ben Anderson on the show with us today. Twin brothers, identical twin brothers, who are also both pro baseball players. Ian uh, made some serious headlines last year as a pitcher on the Atlanta Braves. They were one win away from the World Series and uh, didn't quite get there, but we're fingers crossed for this year for him. And his brother, Ben, is also a a baseball player playing in the minors. And um, they're also really into wine, despite only being 22 years of age, if you can believe it. Yeah, I actually was um, fortunate enough to do uh, a little Zoom tasting with them in December. And... I was so impressed and I have to, you know, call BS that they definitely were drinking before they were of legal age because nobody can learn as much as they've Uh-oh. learned in the last <laughs> one year since they were of legal drinking age. Yeah, I saw their age and I was like, wait, how are they so into wine already? Yeah, we're not going to ask too many questions on that front. Mm-hmm. But Ben, <laughs> um, <laughs> it turns out Ben is actually working part-time in a wine shop while also playing in the minors. Um, So he has gotten a a real head start in the wine department. But they also have a grandparent who was very, very into wine um, from Italy. So they drank, you know, or I guess they they were exposed. I won't insinuate that they drank. They were exposed to some wine uh, during their childhood and adolescent years. So it's been on the table for a little while. So knowing that, and also knowing that Ian is a lover of bigger, bolder, Napa Valley-styled wines, um, we could go to places, and I think we chose to go to both of them today. (laughs) (laughs) Why choose? (laughs) Why choose, exactly. Yeah, so we wanted to sort of like pay homage to the the Italian side of things, but also, you know, given that they're, um, you know, a little bit younger and early on their wine journey, one one of the things that I think is always really important for anyone just starting out is to taste the classics, taste the benchmarks, of specific regions. And that I think we've done today. We are tasting two benchmark representations of two regions that I think they're both really, really going to like, although only one is going to be drinking with us today because then I believe is in, uh, is in the dorms. I, he'll have to clarify what that means, but he said, I'm in the dorms. There's no drinking allowed. And he's, uh, he's doing some, uh, some spring training for the miners at present. I don't know about you, but the dorms that I attended there was definitely drinking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I don't, I think in the, maybe in the same vein as what's happening right now, it was, uh, it was frowned upon slash not allowed. But either way, I think we're going to have a great time with the brothers today. Talk a little wine, talk a little baseball, um, get some fresh perspectives, hopefully, and drink some great wine along the way. So let's drink. Well, good to have you guys. Um, Ian, you do have two glasses, though, right? I do. Yes, two glasses and two two full bottles next to me. So we'll we'll pick up your slack there, Ben. Okay, don't worry. Yeah, I'll, I'll be pretty jealous throughout the whole thing. I'm sure. <laughs> 
with the Texas Rangers organization. They, they do a great job. They put us up in housing. Um, only one rule that's, that's really tough is the, uh, no, no drinking in the premises. So no wine for me today, but these guys will have enough. Well, I think you guys might be our youngest guests to date. Um, when I looked on, uh, online, are you you're both 22? Yeah, we're, we're, we're young, but it's, yeah, that's, I think that's kind of what's cool about it is we're getting, getting into wine at a young age. So. All right. So where are you on your, on your wine journey right now? It kind of happened fast for me. I feel like, you know, I, I've kind of started getting into some higher, higher end kind of bottles and, and Napa cabs and things like that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to slow down a little bit in that, in that aspect, but slow down because financially, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. It's a draining thing. Okay. Taste wise and everything. I would like to keep going, but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, I just just like to to try new bottles and you know see see what intrigues me when when I go to the to the wine store, or go on your guys' website specifically. So, oh, thank you, awesome. We love hearing that. I, I would say my wine journey has been a little bit different. Um, you know, playing in the minor leagues, like a lot of players have to get an off season job and stuff when you're when you're not in in the playing season. Um, so I ended up picking up a, a part time job at a local wine shop. And it's great. It's a small shop. The owner, um, he's one of the greatest guys I've ever met. He, uh, he was a salesman for like 20, 25 years. Um, so it was great. Loved sports. So he was always was nice to me. Um, and it, it kind of started with uh, he would give me, you know, like a, a Christmas gift for working as a thank you, um, which I would share with with my brother. And and it kind of took off mm. from there. Definitely. I would say probably the both of our wine journeys like expedited with the last season getting canceled. Mm. You know, we had a lot of time to spend together that we wouldn't have spent together. Picked up that job again for for the whole summer. And it was great. I mean, being able to taste, you know, all sorts of different wines that come in the shop, you know, all the new wines that come in, he would always open them up. You know, he he wanted us to get better and understand wine more. And it's always fun to, you know, try something new, especially just different wines that you haven't had. I know Ian is is really into like you know, big reds and stuff like that. But I'm I'm pretty open to trying, you know, almost everything. I feel like you'll never know if you like it or not until you try it. So this guy that's what I mean. He knows he knows quite a bit. Yeah. It's uh it's been fun. So I when for this job that you at the wine shop, did you have to like pass some type some type of test or like did they quiz you on your knowledge or not at all. I mean it really started as just like ringing people out at the register and and stocking the shelves. It wasn't like, uh, you know, it wasn't like I had to know any background because I, I didn't know anything to be honest with you. I mean, my, uh, an, I mean, another thing our my parents and grandparents have drank wine growing like for us growing up. Um, that was like what they would have in the house. So I knew like, I knew about wine. I didn't know a lot. I knew there was red, white wine. Um, but I've, I've just learned so much from, from working there. I mean, he, the owner there, he just, He's really interested in wine, and he he's able to to explain things really well and and push those interests on to to people who who want to learn as well. So, what drew you to the job initially? I mean, you could have worked at like a J Crew, but you chose a wine shop. Yeah, no, I mean, um, my dad and my grandpa had been going in there um, for for the previous years for I don't know five five or six years, um, and. I, it just seemed like a good, good part-time job. You know, I never really had time for, for a part-time job before. So, you know, that was like the first one that kind of came up. My dad was like, Hey, like maybe I could talk to them and, and see if you could, uh, 
could get a part-time job there. And I was like, yeah, you know, it sounds easy. Work, work maybe like 20, 25 hours a week. And, and it, I, it's one of the best things I've done, honestly, in my life so far. You're kind of like laying up about it. So, I mean, I think that's kind of how I got into it was me and him talk every day. I mean, we're, you know, grow, growing up, we were super tight. And uh, now we don't get to see each other as much. So we're always talking whether it now be about wine or, or you know, used to be more about baseball and things like that. But, um, you know, we're always sending each other different bottles and, you know, things that we see that, that are, you know, interest us. So uh, it kind of happened organically and it's just kind of taken off. Well, we've got two wines. Well, some of us have two wines. Um, sorry, Ben. Uh, we've got <laughs> we've got the Altacino Brunello di Montalcino, which is an homage to your grandparents, uh, who I believe were Italian, um, and also probably something that Ben. Have you come across this wine yet in your in your shop? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, this is what I. I mean, Altacino for me is one of those like benchmark producers, Vanessa. I don't know, like if you would agree with that, but yeah. Um, you know, there's some, obviously there's some great Brunello de Montalcino producers, but I, I've loved Altacino for a while. Um, and Laura Coffer, who spoke with Ian on the phone, she was kind of going back and forth, like, you know, which, which should, which Italian should we do? And I was like, let's just do a classic. And then, um, the other one we decided, you know, since you are into big Napa cabs, I mean, it doesn't get much bigger. I mean, you, you lift the bottle up and yeah, I was going to say. In size of bottle and size of wine. I was going to say. Are you, are you sure that's not a Magnum? That's, that bottle looks gigantic. <laughs> so heavy. Um, yeah, 2018 Carter, the Carter Cuvée, uh, you know, one of these great powerhouse wines made by Mike Smith. Two completely different wines, which should be super fun to sip, you know, kind of along the way. But Ian, have you, uh, have you picked up either of these glasses yet? Uh, yeah, I've, uh, you know, I opened up the Altissimo and it's, it's delicious, good acidity and, and some good tannins. So I, I, I like it. I dig it. I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> I have to tell you 22, I was not talking about acidity and tannin, nor was I swirling a glass as well as you're swirling it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to take a sip, but I was in the middle of talking and it just kind of. No, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah, the Carter, I haven't even picked up the Carter, but you like, you pick it up and it just like moves a little sl- more slowly. I only had one decanter, so hopefully I made the right choice. Um, but, uh, but man, it's I like put the I put the Brunello in. The, yeah, good call, good call. We found that out at the, with our tasting with Vanessa back in December. Yeah, that you know a lot of times you don't need to decant the the Napa cabs as quite as much. Yeah, they tend to be ready, the young ones anyway. Right. Just to be clear, Amanda, you know I open I didn't open the Italian yesterday because I thought it would benefit. I opened it because I literally couldn't wait. <laughs> And this is why I love you. <laughs> Although it is drinking really, really beautifully today, I have to say. So yeah. How different yeah. is it from last night? Not much. You know, it feels um, on the palate. It feels a little bit kind of like it came together almost like it was like sort of like uh, electric yesterday, the acidity. And today it feels like a little bit more kind of mellow. But um, in terms of like aromas and flavors, it's it's beautiful and bright and just perfumed and elegant. And Yeah. I'm I'm digging it. You guys are making my mouth water over here. I'm sorry, Ben. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, let's sip on our wine a little bit. Talk a little baseball. Uh, guys, you are, you know, twin brothers, as we said, both baseball players. Um, talk to me about what it was like growing up and, and playing, you know, with each other, against each other. You know, what was that relationship like? Yeah, so I, I kind of got into, you know, baseball even before Ben. Um, our dad was a was a baseball coach, so uh, he kind of got me into it. And Ben Ben wasn't even that interested in it uh, at a young age, so uh, but he had no choice but to come to the game. So he kind of got into it, and uh, 
you know, he was, he, he was a catcher growing up and I, I pitched, so it worked perfectly. You know, we'd be in the yard all the time throwing to each other and, um, you know, fielding ground balls and, and probably doing things we shouldn't be doing with a, with a hard baseball in the yard. Like, yeah, I can, I can remember a few cracked sidings, uh, dented garage yeah. doors and, and stuff like that, broken windows. So it's, uh, I feel like this is every dad's dream if they have twin boys. They're like, my twin boys are going to play baseball. Especially our dad. Yeah, no, he's, <laughs> he's a diehard, he's a diehard baseball guy. So, um, yeah, it's, and it just, it just kind of, kind of took off from there. You know, we played all together growing up in high school and everything. And then, um, you know, 2016, when I got drafted, he, he ended up going to college and that was kind of the first time we, we weren't playing on the same team. So I was up until that point, it was, uh, it was fun. So when did you start playing baseball? And you said you were first and then Ben thereafter, what were your ages? Yeah, probably when I was like four, I think pretty young. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. So pretty, pretty early. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I picked it up around like, uh, six or eight years old. All right. So like, Still pretty young. Yeah, still, still young enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not one of those stories where you hear like, oh, this guy just picked it up when he was 14 and now he's, you know, amazing. <laughs> so. I was just saying for each of you, did was it like you started playing and, and you thought, oh, this is what I was meant to do? Like, were you a natural at it when you started or did it really take a while to kind of have it click? Um, I'll answer that one. I think uh, it, he, <laughs> he was a little bit more of a natural at it. Um, you know, Ian he was. was always just, yeah, he was. Uh, he just... He was had those athletic movements that you need. He always had a great arm. And so I was a, was the catcher growing up. So I would always catch for Ian pitching, but now I'm a pitcher. So we're, we play the same position now. So it's gone from, you know, me catching for him and, and helping him do his stuff to now him helping me, you know, become a pitcher. And, and especially at the highest level that we've both gotten to now, you know, it's, it's exciting stuff. We were talking to Will Clark. You know, he played for the Giants yeah. for many yeah. years, but he was talking about, you know, the relationship between pitchers and hitters. And, you know, back in the day, he called it, you know, more of the old school mentality that there was not a lot of a lot of love there between pitchers and hitters, especially, you know, the one that he had with Nolan Ryan. <laughs> he said it's it's changed a bit. He said now it's not really so much the case, but I wonder, you know, you guys are kind of fresh into it, you know, a new generation. Do you think that's still the case or do you think things have changed? I think things have changed. Definitely. I think just with, with the way, you know, with social media and everything, it's a lot easier to connect with, with people that are, you know, outside of your team and, and, you know, things like that. So, Mm. you know, it's a lot easier to have friends in in other places. So I I think that kind of super competitive, not, not to say it's not competitive, but, but that kind of aspect is definitely kind of fallen out of, you know, out of favor, probably for the better. It's safer. I think it's, you know, I think the game is still in a really good place and, um, you know, still super fun to watch. You talked about a message pitch that sounded pretty terrifying. I mean, uh, that that could still be necessary here here and there, but you don't want to be on the wrong end of one of those. (laughs) Okay. So this is a real thing. It used to be way, way bigger. Definitely way bigger. Um, Yeah. Because intimidation was a big thing back then. So it's definitely, definitely, you know, tailed back a little bit. Have you ever thrown a message pitch? Uh, I would like to not not say that. I think <laughs> don't want to okay. get don't want to get suspended. Okay. Yeah. No comment. No comment. <laughs> Maybe when you're retired. <laughs> I'm trying to think what what would the equivalent in the wine world be of a message pitch? Serving someone a corked yeah. wine, probably, <laughs> and not like, and no, not telling corked. them like telling them it was sound. <laughs> serving them a corked wine and be like, it's fine. Yeah. Still, just drink it. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. What's well, the, the story about the the Oren Swift, right? The eight years in the desert when he sold the he was right. Isn't that like that? That could be a message. He was sending a message with the name, right? When he sold Prisoner or something like that. Yeah, that you know that's that's really interesting because that's the wine that we drank with Will Clark. Really, really. 
It is. We just had it. Yeah. That's a, that's a really solid wine. Yeah, you were telling me that. weren't Weren't you telling me that story, Ben? Yeah, I, th- I think it was like he sold he sold his recipe or something, and then they wouldn't let him like make it for. Uh, yeah, Dave Finney. For eight years, and then. Yeah, he couldn't. Yeah. Make um Zinfandel, for eight years. Yeah. Oh, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we won't ask you any more about message pitches, but I was really, that was kind of a curious thing to me because I didn't know, you know, we think about baseball. It's not like football or like hockey. We're like beating the crap out of each other. Like you don't think about baseball as being a sport that has activities like that. Um, So it was, it was kind of shocking to hear this because, you know, I watched baseball as a kid, like going to the Phillies games, but that's, that's the extent of my knowledge about baseball. Yeah. I think that could, that could be a misconception though. There's, I mean, it seems super slow, but there's a lot going on as far as you know, in between certain pitches and things like that. And strategic aspect of the game is, you know, it can be lost on the on the standard fan, which I think is, uh, you know, I think that's what makes the game pretty interesting. So does your mind ever wander, like, during a game? Are you just, like, super focused the whole time? Yeah, it, def- it, can, it can wander. It can definitely wander. Um, especially now there's fans back in the stands, and, you know, you can, you can get, get a little adrenaline going. And, but, but then sometimes you find yourself in that zone, so to speak, that, you know, it just feels like you you can do no wrong and everything's going great. So yeah, it's 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 kind of a balance. Yeah, I would say you know that's that's one of the hardest things kind of about pitching is is you're standing out there on the mound by yourself and you gotta you gotta have that laser focus. Mm-hmm. And when your mind wanders, you gotta you gotta get right back as soon as you can to to not lose that focus. So that's that's one of the things that like as you get older and that's one of the things that a lot of guys get better at is is not losing that focus as quickly. So Ben, moving from catcher to pitcher what was that transition like and how did that happen um so it happened uh my senior year of high school one of our coaches on the high school team we were going to need another pitcher that year so the, the catcher usually has a pretty strong arm so he was like yeah like you know your brother's obviously he can pitch obviously he's one of the best in the in high school in the nation it's like yeah we'll see you know we'll get you up there see see what you can do so went from there and kind of took off from there um, went and played three years of college baseball and then got drafted by the Rangers in 2019. I just, one of the biggest things is I just have a great resource, you know, I, like he said earlier, we talk every day, uh, me and Ian, it's just to have somebody at that, the highest level, everybody's goal to make it all the way up that high. Um, having someone who's there, yeah. who has the same body as you, you know, the same, <laughs> almost everything as you, it's, yeah. it's basically cloned. You you can't you can't ask for a better resource to to you know pick his brain, watch video of him throwing, you know all that kind of stuff. It's been fun. That's really cool. Yeah, I kind of wish I had a <laughs> twin of myself to see like yeah to ask questions about. That's what a lot a lot of people tell us they they wish they had a twin, and I was like, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it's uh, <laughs> pretty awesome. Somebody somebody who can make the mistakes before you do it, so that you don't have to. Do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I like I that. <laughs> Um, so you said, I mean, growing up, wine was in the house. Your parent were your parent, grandparents Italian, or were they drinking Italian wine? I wasn't clear about that. Yeah, my mom's parents, uh, my mom's dad is Italian, and that's that's kind of another thing that you know, you talk about our wine journey. Going back to that is, you know, he he would just drink table wines for the most part. He wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't venture off into Napa or other other things like that. So, you know, even he now at at you know his age of he's he's fascinated by these bottles that that we bring to dinners and, and things like that. So really. Yeah. He enjoys them, and he's kind of flabbergasted in a way. He, he could have never imagined that, you know, we would be we would be bringing you know bottles to him for dinner. So yeah, that's that's one of the that's kind of cool. One of the other things about wine that that I really like. It's kind of brought us closer together, you know, as 
as me and Ian brought, it's brought us close together, but it's also brought us closer together with our grandpa. You know, it's something that we've been able to, to bring up, talk about at dinners, you know, he'd come and see me in the shop and all, all that kind of stuff. And we'd talk about wine I'd help him out to the car with his bags. So it's just something that I think I, I wish more people would take advantage of it as kind of like a, a way to, to get closer to people, especially now, you know, you might not have seen someone for, for over a year, you know, open a bottle of wine and, and, yeah, you probably become closer to them in one night than than just seeing them. So yeah, that's what it's meant for. It. Exactly, bring people together, inspire friendship and conversation. Yeah, that's and I couldn't agree more. You must be so proud of you. Yeah, definitely. I keep going back to the Carter and then setting it down and repicking up the Alcesino, and I I feel like the Alcesino is the wine that like refreshes. Like I drink the Carter because it's dinner, and then I drink the Alcesino because it like refreshes my palate. <laughs> Don't you think this is like a perfect side-by-side if you want to showcase the difference between like old world and new world? 1,000%. Yeah. I, I'm a, Ian and Ben, I think we talked about that, we right? Did. In December, yes. a little bit like the kind of, the, stylistically, I think this is like textbook. You know, the Altesino has a kind of like more restrained fruit, more savory, higher acid. Like the tannins are not rustic, but you know, they, they it doesn't have this kind of like mm-hmm. new worldy polish like the like the Carter does, and it's like just richer, rounder, more fruit forward, you know. And anyway, I think this is, if anyone's wondering and wants to do these side by side, this will show you, mm-hmm. I think, very clearly what those what those differences are that we talk about. I, I liked what you said with the polish. I think you can tell like the Carter is just more, it just feels more like polished. and Better, worse, just different, right? Like texturally, they're yeah, completely yeah, different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. the Altacino, or the, uh, the Carter is like a, like a brand new Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. And the Altacino is like a vintage Porsche from like the 70s. I think that's I think that's what what's intriguing me about the Carter right now. <laughs> I like that analogy, Amanda. Thank you. Stuff. Thank you. Yes. I'm a car lover at heart, but not a real one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know enough to be like a real car person, but someday I will have a vintage Porsche and a Ferrari in my garage, just like my wine cellar will be everything across the board from Altacino to Carter because I drink promiscuously like you, Vanessa. Yeah. That's the only way to do it. Way to learn. Can't pigeonhole yourself. Exactly. No way. You're missing out. You're missing out on a lot if you do that. I'm so jealous of both of you because I did not drink wine the way that I do now at your age. And I'm so I'm 34 and I I got into wine at like 24, 25. And I, you know, it was like a, it was a slow climb, but it was, you know, it was like intense at the same time. And I, I wish I had an extra couple of years. Like I wish those, those formative years of drinking in New York city were like (laughs) with the best bottles, like that you guys are having now. Was there an epiphany bottle? It sounds like it was like sort of a, you know, just a a gradual love down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I think it was definitely, definitely gradual. I I can't say there's really one bottle that kind of, I mean, we had the Larkmead uh, Solari back when in December. Mm -hmm. Did you guys have the 2010? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I want to say that was. That, I that, love that wine. <laughs> probably the best bottle I've had. Maybe even still to this day. I have it's a, such a good wine. Yeah, that one. I would say that one probably. That 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 bottle was uh, delicious. Ben, do you have any? Um, I can't really say that I've had like an epiphany bottle yet. You know, it's, it started off as as every wine drinker with like you know like a ten dollar bottle of wine, and then yeah, you have that twenty dollar, thirty dollar. You get gifted like a a sixty dollar bottle, and it's it's tough. There's there's no going back and no going back. But it's it's also fun though to like try and find a nice fifteen to twenty dollar bottle now that like that's really enjoyable for you. I think that's yeah. I think that's fun to do when you go in the shop, go on the website. Um, 
go online. Yeah, that's been my my focus for the last couple of months, like finding really great... 15, the most asked question that I get as a sommelier is, what are your favorite bottles between $15 and $20? Mm-hmm. And that is like, that's the spot where a lot of people are comfortable. It's the spot where when I was in New York and buying wine off you know off the shelf of like my corner store, like that's the place I was going to. And I think it's important. I think you'll find through your wine journey is as you you know, taste the greats, taste the really expensive bottles, like eventually you will go back and drink the really, not all the time, of course, but eventually you will go back and you'll drink some of those like those little $15, $20 bottles of wine. Although by the time you're my age, those $15, $20 bottles of wine would probably be like 25, 30, but it is fun to go back and there are some great ones in there. So Ben, at this store then, did you... Do you have like tastings with everyone that worked there? Were you guys pop in corks a lot of the time just to see what was on the shelves or what kind of opportunity was there to taste wine? Yeah. So, so the store, uh, they used to do tastings like for customers, um, before COVID obviously. So that was like right when I first started working there. So we would do them like once or twice a week. Um, and then COVID happened. So, so we stopped doing the tastings, um, and then, you know, it started off kind of slow. Uh, like if something new came in, like he would open mm-hmm. it and, and we would try it. Not really as like a formal tasting, really, just kind of off to the side. Um, and we would talk about it a little bit. You know, what, what do you think? What did, like even, sometimes even wines that he was thinking about bringing into the store, like, oh, is this worth bringing in? Do you like it? Like, and then, you know, he, he saw that I was really interested in wine and it kind of just took off. We were like over the summer before I left. so. Um, we were probably opening two bottles a week, two or three bottles a week yeah, just to try them. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and nothing, it wasn't really anything ever too crazy. Um, but I, I got to taste a lot of those. I was fortunate where he would like, he gifted, uh, me and Ian each of a bottle of the 2017 Spotswood. Yeah. Nice. That's, that's the um, one that I was oh, mentioning. Yeah. I, haven't, we, I haven't opened that one yet. Yeah. Before the, for, for as like a good luck and, and a thank you. So. You know, and That's he's nice. gifted some other great bottles that have just been been my way to try, you know, some of the some of the better bottles that before I probably wouldn't have spent money on. But once you try them, you know, it's like I said, try it, yeah. try it, love it. And now you have to you have to buy. Yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slippery slope. <laughs> have you had Spotswood before? No, no. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I actually left it at yeah. home. So uh. I'll probably save that one for for uh, the off season when I get back home. Celebrate, celebrate a good season. How about that? Especially Ian, if you loved that, if you loved the Lark Mead, I think there's a lot of stylistic similarities between Lark Mead and Spotswood. They're also both, um, Lark Mead is biodynamically certified and and Spotswood is organically certified moving towards biodynamic. Um, But both major, major players, both Beth and Dan, major players in the climate change conversation happening in Napa Valley right now. So a lot of like, awesome. a lot of synergy there. So I'll be curious to see what your thoughts are. That's awesome. Yeah, no, we, we haven't had the chance to get out to uh, Napa um, yet. So definitely on the bucket list without a doubt and ho- hopefully sooner than, than later. So everybody likes to try to come during harvest, but the real secret now that I'm letting it out of the bag is to come just <laughs> after harvest when all the winemakers are done pressing all their grapes, yeah. the wine's barreled down, and they can all kind of relax. Um, and, you know, the, the tourists have mostly left. Uh, you know, it's still pretty busy, but the weather is incredible. Um, I love, love. Mm. The, the last week of October is generally my favorite. The weather is just, like, magical. And then all the leaves start turning 
colors on the vines. So mm-hmm. if you, I mean, I know you guys yeah. grew up on the East Coast in New York, right? Yeah, yeah, we've we've seen some leaves leaves turn color. Yeah. Okay, so I grew up the East Coast too, but there there is a big difference between seeing East Coast fall and West Coast fall, and I have to tell you, like watching the vine leaves change color is just incredible. So, uh, so get out there. Yeah. When you're, when you're wrapped up for season, yeah, mark that, mark that week in your calendar, Ben. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get out there. Yeah. Have you done any of the wine country regions? Um, so actually over, over the quarantine, um, I was able to go out to the finger lakes with my girlfriend kind of just as like a cool, we just went to a few of the wineries out there, um, tried some of the Rieslings and, and those, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Which, at first, you know, I, I didn't really do any white wines. I wasn't very interested in them. I just, they all kind of tasted the same to me. But that's another thing through like tastings at the store and going out to the Finger Lakes. You know, I've gained more of an appreciation for for some more white wines and have been willing to try, you know, more white wines and stuff too. And uh, I mean, I know you, you travel a little bit, Ian. It sounds like you like dining out as well or do you have a favorite city for dining as of yet um, i would have to say new york city i don't think any cities really really stack up to new york Ooh, city. challenge <laughs> a little biased a little, little biased, biased but... a little bit do you have a favorite restaurant in new york lava which is that's just more for fun but i enjoyed that one and then uh quality italian was it was another quality italian's that, great that I, too, so. I had my farewell to new york dinner there <laughs> Yeah. Way too drunk. Um, We definitely, I think we had a bottle of wine, but but I don't, I don't recall what it was. Are you someone that that talks to the sommelier wearing you at the at the restaurant, or do you like to just kind of do it yourself? I kind of like to do it myself. Um, I use the Vivino app just kind of as like a baseline, just kind of see. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously some of some like wine styles get rated a lot a lot better than than others on there. So you kind of have to know that, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I kind of like doing it myself. You know, I, I I like kind of the exploring aspect of of being on a wine. I think calling it a journey is a great thing for for calling somebody's wine experience. You pull out the app in the restaurant, or you do some research first. Phone, no, <laughs> That's a good no, question. No, no phones at the no phones at the table. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people do that. I know. You know, Vanessa. Sometimes you will. I will too. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't mind taking a look. Definitely, just kind of knowing what I'm what I'm heading into. Yeah. Nothing irritates me more than when a wine list isn't on the, on the website. That's that's the worst. When you have to ask, when you have to ask, when it's a a PDF, you know, you're, you know, you're going to a good place. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to look at it. Like I want to read it. And then I'm just like a horrible person, like to be, try to be company, company. Cause I'm just like heads down, you know, and if it's a list that's pages and pages and pages long, it's like, you know, you can kind of be ignoring your friends for for quite a while and meanwhile they're like waiting for you to select something and so everyone's thirsty and you're checked out and yeah so i like looking advanced that's the tough part too they they (laughs) want want you to order your drinks first and you haven't even had any time to look at the the wine menu so it's it's good to look Mm -hmm. it's good to look at. i agree ben that's why we have martinis though (laughs) where do you hope your wine journey goes like in 10 years what do you hope to be drinking do you hope to have a wine cellar? Do you hope to have traveled to a few regions? Yeah, I would say definitely a wine cellar. That's something that, you know, I'm in, in the middle of purchasing a, a new house. So definitely something that was put into consideration. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just traveling, definitely traveling. Um, you know, maybe one trip and off season to, to some different places and different regions, I think would be, you know, fun and, and uh, you know, definitely super informative and something that I would love doing. The hardest thing would be, uh, be narrowing down where you want to go. That would that would be the hardest part. 
know, I've never uh, never left the country, so I think I'd probably want to go you know, see some some of like the old world places and some of those wines first. Um, just it'd be just a great experience. Putting the wine aside, the wine would just be you know added on on top. But I think it would would be awesome. Yeah, start fly fly into Paris, head to Champagne, and work your way down. Oh yeah, yeah, and. You know, the great thing about wine travel is wine is usually made in pretty gorgeous places. So it seems like it seems like it. On <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you definitely need to come to Napa and you, there's obviously two people uh, here today that could help you with uh, planning some some great visits and and uh, sounds good. good yeah. Open to try whatever. <laughs> yeah. You get me there and I'll try some Chardonnay. <laughs> do you do you, the real question is, do you like champagne? I haven't really had a ton, to be honest with you. That's another thing that I okay. like, to, like to kind of get <laughs> get more wow. into. Just because yeah, challenge I, accepted. <laughs> I feel like I haven't. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I haven't drank in it in the in the sense of the way you drink wine. So I can't really. I think sh- champagne for me was something I really loved from get go, and then it took me probably another like five years to really start to understand it. Once I got there, like once I really started tasting broadly and lots of different producers, lots of different vintages, I was just like, I I'm obsessed. Like I, I have so much champagne. Vanessa is the real champagne aficionado in this house. I, I remember that from the case. Oh yeah. We, <laughs> we learned that. Like we learned that. So Ian, are you, I see you picking up your glass there a few times. Which one are you picking up more of? Uh, the Carter. Definitely. Oh, I feel like that switched for you, right? That one kind of brought me oh, back. Right. Yeah, that that one. Uh, just yeah, I'm just attracted to the the boldness of it. It's hard. I think the the Carter is such a lush. You know, we t- we call it the sports car, right? And you know, the the fast, sort of sexy sports car. Yeah, it's hard. You know, putting that next to Altissino, which is a little bit more reserved, much more savory notes going on in there. But you know, that Carter is just like. Poof! Wow, like in your face. Yeah. Hard to ignore. Yeah, I, I wanted to see that one open up in the glass a little bit more too. Cause I, like I said, I didn't have it in the decanter. So it's not it's not it's not gonna open up in the glass if the glass is empty. <laughs> That's, <true. laughs> That's great. That's true. I like that. <laughs> um okay. well both of you are, are baseball players and obviously there's been a lot of reporting and articles around the NBA's love of wine. And it's interesting because this podcast, you know, we've had so many, I should say so many, we've had a lot of baseball mm-hmm. players on. And there is a definite love of wine within the MLB that I don't think is being talked about. So what are your thoughts? I mean, do you think that there's a lot more love for wine in in baseball than people realize? Yeah, I think definitely. I think, uh, yeah, there's, there, I mean, you know, even even on, on my team and, and the Braves, there's plenty of guys that will bring bottles on the road. and. Um, and good bottles too, not not just you know average bottles. All right, so, so. who's bringing what? Freddie Freddie Freeman's a big wine guy. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, he'll bring he'll bring big time big time wines, Bond, Harlan, things Whoa. like that. Um, <laughs> Those are big time wines. <laughs> he's connected. He's connected. So he's he's big into wine. Uh, and then even you know some of our other coaches, you know guys that that used to play in the majors and and uh, you know some some of our relievers, we're we're trying to start like a little little wine club kind of oh. thing. So. Uh, you know, opening opening bottles on flights and you know introducing each other to some new wines. So 
um, yeah, we're, we're trying to take that next step, I guess you could yeah. say. Um, which is, so you're a rookie. Are you, is, are you trying uh, to impress exciting. or are you just kind of like laying low right now? <laughs> That's a great question. That's a phenomenal question. I'm coming in pretty good. Obviously not at, not at, at, uh, you know, Freddie Freeman's level, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I'm holding my own right now and it's, uh, there's plenty of time to grow and who knows, you know, by the end of the season, who knows what I'm going to be drinking. So. Uh, it's fun. It's fun. We open some bottles on the plane usually and uh, and they share, you know, taste it, talk about it. And yeah, definitely share. Oh, yeah. So, OK, so Freddie brings Harlan. You're bringing what, Ian? Uh, so he's he's not drinking wine right now. I'll clarify that. He didn't drink wine last year, won the MVP. So okay. I don't blame him. Um, I just heard stories. So I'll, okay. I'll say that. But um, yeah, so the first road trip, I think I brought uh, I brought a silver oak and then um, an O'Shaughnessy. Oh, nice. Owl yeah. Mountain, I nice. think it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, Who recommended that bottle? Ben. Yeah. Mr. Exactly. Ben. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. He said that, that's, one of his, that's one of his favorite yeah. bottles. Yeah. Cool, then, cool, cool, cool. Um, I, I grabbed one of those and then the Spotswood, but we didn't end up opening that one. So, And then I think we might have had one of, one of our trainers, I think, might have brought a uh, cake bread. I think it was a Chardonnay, honestly. All right. So, so Napa's, Napa's representing up in the air. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Uh, I did two of the Ray and Pino. I was. I was interested. Ooh, in that nice. Uh, yeah, Rain's so delicious. Yeah, that bottle looked good, and then um, the mascot. I did. Nice. I think I did two mm. or three of those. That's a good one to bring on the plane. I think I could get some some uh, some wine clout with that. Yeah. What is that rookie relationship like? Are they nice to you? Yeah. No, it's great. It's great. I uh, I came up last year, so. Uh, I was able to get my feet wet, and everyone was everyone was awesome. Uh, we ended up, you know, making it to one win away from the World Series. So uh, the the expectations are pretty high this year, but um, no pressure. You know, we're we're looking forward to to the season. Yeah, you're so young. You're drinking well. You're playing well. I mean, my goodness. I uh, I don't know what were you doing at 22, Vanessa. I mean, we were doing cool things. We were doing cool things, but but not that. I'd say to your point, Amanda. Like they're young. They've accomplished all this stuff, but. They have not had enough champagne yeah. in their life. Yet. Accurate. Not so. enough to celebrate yet. Accurate. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> yeah. Not enough to celebrate. Yeah. I think like, you know, once you hit 26, 27, you got your feet wet in the wine world, then you can start buying, you know, cases of things that you really like. But I love that you're just drinking broadly and trying to figure out what your palate is. And it will change. You know, I think most people's palates throughout the course of their life. I think that's probably the biggest mistake that people make is they, they get into wine and then they get really excited about a region. They buy that entire region. And then 10 years later, they're like, crap, I don't really like that as much as I thought I did. I think one of the things that's kind of helping us, you know, drink broadly is, is I don't really have anywhere to store. Like if I were to find a wine I like yeah. and buy a case of wine, I don't, I don't really have anywhere to store it. So I kind of honestly go, like, that. go bottle to bottle and, and just drink it that night and store it in the recycling bin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, best of luck to you both this season. Um, really excited to uh, to watch you both grow, both on your wine journey and your baseball journey. If you need any help, you know where to ask or who to ask. Although it sounds like you're doing just fine without us. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll start like following you guys on Instagram. Just keep up the cool kids. Oh, it's, it was great. It was uh, it was it was a blast. So thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Our pleasure. We'll see you in Napa. Sounds sounds good. Yeah. All right. Cheers, guys. I cannot believe how much they both know about wine at 22. Can you? <laughs> I, honestly, no, I can't. Um, they're like sponges, you know, like yes. what they've learned in their sh short, 
but intense time of, of enjoying and learning about wine is so impressive. You know, I think like hearing both of them, but, you know, Ben having worked in a, in a retail shop at a wine retail, he mm-hmm. has learned to talk about wine in a way that usually takes people kind of a lot longer to be comfortable with. So yes. that was so fun for me also because I, you know, when I was just getting into wine, I, I also worked in a wine shop and it really helped me yep. learn and grow and explore. And so I was just kind of, uh, you know, I had a really great time talking talking to both of them, but that was particularly fun for me. You're right. They both are sponges. And I love that even though Ian, um, you know, is, is full-time uh, immersed in what he's doing on the baseball front, He is very into wine and not afraid to show it. I love that as a rookie, he's got all the confidence and bravado to get up um, with those more senior players that are bringing some crazy bottles on the plane and and saying, I've got some cool stuff too. Like, let's drink. Mm -hmm. So I I love that. I love their spirit. I love their confidence. um, But more importantly, I love their curiosity and sense of adventure when it comes to wine. And I think uh, the the baseball world should be looking to both of these guys to in the way that the basketball world has been looking to a few of those guys for um for the next generation of wine lovers. I think these guys are definitely going to be uh, two players to look at for uh, some some great wine drinking advice in the future. So let's talk last drops. We've got the Altacino, uh, Brunello de Montalcino Montesoli, two thousand and sixteen, and then the Carter Sellers. Carter Cuvée 2018. Um, what say you, Vanessa? I feel like I know what you're going to say. <laughs> First of all, they're both beautifully delicious, both great examples of the variety, the region. Um, I definitely have a, a very distinctive um, last drop situation going on, uh, and that's with the Altacino. <laughs> um, both because, you know, I, I really love this wine, um, but also because I, I opened it last night and I already had some. So, so I was already starting with last drops today, but, um, but no, I, I love, I love the Altacino. Um, uh, it's just a beautiful wine and I feel like just really starting its evolution. Um, but then the Carter too, such a baby, I mean, 2018 vintage, this is like, mm-hmm. You know, almost feels like a crime to open it right now. Um, but it's so big, it's so bold. I I feel like today, because we were sitting here just we're talking, not really, you know, pairing it with food. Um, they're both food friendly, but for me, the Carter has it's like so much weight and richness to it that I really kind of wanted to like mm-hmm. explore it over time, probably over a meal. But the all this, you know, I I came back to like basically after every sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Vanessa, anytime you want to whip out like a steak during a podcast, <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. Um, I, I agree with everything you just said. I think the Altacino, you know, a delicious wine, wine that could be savored over many, many hours with food, without food, whatever. The Carter, man, it is just like it's 2018 in Napa, just a killer, killer vintage. I don't think there is a wine from that vintage that I've had that I'm like, eh, not so much. They're just incredible. And this wine is no exception. It really, really packed a huge punch. And I don't think that I could pick a favorite today. I actually was really, really uh, pleasantly surprised that I enjoyed both at the same time. I thought they played well off of each other as a side by side. And I don't know. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that uh, that Ian liked both. Maybe we'll have to send Ben some bottles and get his uh, his take on it at a later date when he could be drinking in those dorm rooms again. But if Ben wanted to get those wines in the meantime, after he's all done, where would you send them, Vanessa? Well, he's already a member, but he could go to wineaccess.com um, and uh, follow us on Instagram at wineaccess or on Facebook at the Wine Access Experience. 
Yes. And if you are listening to this podcast and loving what you're hearing, we would certainly appreciate you subscribing and leaving us a review. It helps us so, so much. And more importantly, it helps other people find this podcast so we can create a bigger, more lovely wine drinking community. Um, in the meantime, if you didn't get enough today, I encourage you to head over to our Instagram at Wine Access Unfiltered, where you can watch some video clips of this. You can see what's coming. We give you some sneak peeks of some podcasts that are in the queue and uh, keep tabs on us in the DMs. I'm always there to answer questions and listen to the uh, the the advice that you have for us in the way of who we should have on next. I always love hearing what guests you guys want to listen to. So thank you so much for being with us, Vanessa, today. Uh, enjoy the literal last drop of your Alcesino and um, I guess let that Carter take you into the rest of the evening, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheers. Cheers.